You're listening to Care, the resident experience podcast from Welby. Every month, we chat with some of the best leaders in senior living to discover and share innovative strategies and perspectives that will impact communities for years to come. As always, I'm your host, Terry, and today with me is Kaylee Massey, founder of Artful Enrichment, where she provides art programs to older adult communities that inspire lifelong creativity. Kaylee, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. A hundred percent. And before we get into what we really want to talk about, art and creativity and older adults, why don't you give us kind of a little bit of a background on where you came from, how you got into this field and kind of the story behind Artful Enrichment? Yeah, so my where I kind of started out, I had no clue I would end up where I am today. I ended up going to an art school in Nova Scotia in Halifax. Um, And I studied fine arts there and really majored in um, painting and drawing and art history. And after working or after uh, studying there, I kind of naturally um, was pulled to working at art studios and began teaching and working with older adults and children and adults and people of all ages. And it was a really kind of informative time because I was able to understand how to work with with different ages and how to adapt my program approaches depending on the groups that I was working with, their experience mm-hmm. level. And then I that kind of took me to working for a company out west that um, owns and operates older adult communities. So that that was my initial mm-hmm. segue into the older adult um, industry. And that was an incredible experience. I was hired on to develop their creative programs for their communities. And I think what was so unique about that experience is I was able to work really closely with the residents and the staff Mm -hmm. um, from the operation side of things to the programming side of things to build programs for these communities that really reflected the population and how these communities function. And that must have been a big shift for you because I was I was thinking you've taught older adults before you started kind of working exclusively in the senior living industry, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But you were also teaching like I'm guessing most art studios deal with a ton of different students, whether it's like kids, young adults, people going through middle like middle age yeah definitely arts adults. arts does not discriminate against, against <laughs> age anybody can participate so I worked with people of all ages so how did it feel when you first got the offer to go to the senior living community how did like how did that make you feel you know what it was interesting because I had never I had worked actually when I was a teenager in high school at a a long-term care home as a dietary aide. So I worked on kind of the other side of Mm -hmm. um, the community, but so I was familiar with how these communities work and, and um, operate. But I think what I really enjoyed working for this company was being able to connect with the residents and Mm -hmm. ensure that the programs that I was delivering was the result of their feedback and their input and it was and i know people like to say this a lot it was it was person-centered programming i was Mm -hmm. thinking constantly about how do we how can we engage people more how can we reach out to people who maybe feel underserved in this community 
um, and make everybody feel welcome and make art programming a lot more accessible to the entire community, not just one specific um, group. And I think a lot of the time, one of the problems is that you group kind of older adults into this big, like homogenized group where it's, oh, they're all the same, right? All their needs are the same. Um, And maybe you don't think that from a from a clinical perspective, but certainly from recreation perspective, I think a lot of people have the misunderstanding. What like, how did you tackle that? So I think that is such an important thing to to talk about. And it's such a um, it's a tricky area to to Mm -hmm. navigate sometimes, I think. you always you, it's you can't group everybody in a certain age demographic into the same category and say everyone in this category needs this this and this you really have to think about the wide range of experience levels that people are bringing to the table um, the range of interests so i think creating programs that have um, multiple entry points. So Mm -hmm. multiple reasons why somebody would want to attend a program. Maybe they want to attend for social reasons. Maybe they want to come because they want to develop their skills, or maybe they're looking to really explore their creative side. And I think by opening up the, the reasons for people to attend a program, that's the, that's your best way to engage the widest and broadest audience because yeah we don't want to underestimate the experience levels that people are bringing to to each program for sure and i think for art it's one of those again one of those pieces where people can feel very uh, very self-conscious about it right if they haven't touched a paintbrush in 10 20 years maybe never right they might be nervous to try it even if they do want to be creative even if they do want to get better they might say like oh this isn't for me i don't want to embarrass myself right yeah and it's you know what art is a funny thing it's it's very intimidating for a lot of people which mm-hmm. me is i i can appreciate but i also think the beautiful thing about art is it's very um open to interpretation and individual expression experience so there's it's not about right and wrong ways of doing things or it's about just kind of finding your own avenue to it and Mm -hmm. not putting so much pressure on yourself to produce and art from a lot of different perspectives it it can be a learned skill so Mm -hmm. you're not kind of um, flexing those creative muscles constantly they, they may need a little bit of time and attention so the more you do something the better you're going to get at it and the more the easier it's going to come to the more natural it's going to be and the same goes for for art so i think for people who are intimidated by the experience they just need to kind of delve into it and and try to remove that intimidation barrier and i think it's also really important kind of as staff as people who are creating programs and running programs to be to be cognizant of this right because for sure, I think there's going to be a percentage of the uh, of the community population that is really into this already and like really fluid and understands. Even if they're not the greatest artists per se, they're comfortable with it. They want to do it. This is something that they've already invested in. This is why they're at the community. But then there are the people that might be a little bit hesitant who you need to maybe push a little bit to kind of try this. Like what's your what would your strategy be to engage those types of residents? 
Well, to be honest, this is kind of why um, I started Artful Enrichment. So after I worked for um, that company out West, when I came back to Ontario, I found that when I was working with older adult communities, that um, the engagement in art programming was really, really low for a lot of mm-hmm. communities. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is that staff members don't feel comfortable facilitating our programming. Budget is a big factor. And mm-hmm. residents don't necessarily always feel um, artistically inclined or they're intimidated, like I said, by the the process of making art or talking about art. So mm-hmm. that's something that I really wanted to address with creating Artful Enrichment was designing programs that are uh, accessible to people no matter their experience. So all of our programs are step-by-step. So even if somebody says, oh, they look at the, the project and like, I can't do that. When you break something down step-by-step and, and provide them with the, the tools and resources to guide them through that process, mm-hmm. it can really um, remove the barriers for a lot of people. And, and the idea is that our programs can be implemented by in-house staff even if the staff don't have experience mm-hmm. and that is a big um, barrier to programming as well if the staff aren't comfortable running the programs the residents aren't going to get the programs so having resources and guides that ensure that staff feel comfortable and confident running these programs is really really key to the success of it for sure a hundred percent especially since i think a lot of rec managers they're managers per se, but they're working, their team is maybe three people mm-hmm. at a community, right? If if that, and then they have to be a jack of all trades. They have to know, they have to be able to engage like in physical wellness, spiritual wellness. They have to help them with their creativity. And then you can't be an expert at everything, right? Yeah. So the step-by-step programs for for sure, a hundred percent, like they make they make sense to me, right? Like it makes it easy to implement. It makes, it takes away the pressure of saying, I have to be, an expert artist to teach this art class, right? Yeah. And I think, like you mentioned, um, a lot of rec staff and programming staff are spread so thin. There is, mm-hmm. and especially in these times right now, um, there's so much being asked of them and anything that will make their job easier and um, allow them to implement a program with ease is is extremely beneficial to obviously them and their residents and the entire functioning of their community. We have uh, video tutorials, we have live workshops, and by adding in these different options, it it really allows staff members to hopefully um, utilize their time as best as possible. And instead of them having to create the programs and facilitate them, they just Mm -hmm. have to facilitate them. Because I think that's also one of the challenges. We're asking a lot. Sometimes I feel like from operations, they get this idea that, oh, it's just activities. But Mm -hmm. coming up with all of these different ways to engage somebody differently, it can be very, very challenging, not just to organize and plan, but also to run, right? So that's where I think a lot of of companies like Artful Enrichment come in, where you guys are able to help there and you guys are able to provide kind of a stepping stone for them, right? Yeah, and I, I think um, I think rec therapists and life enrichment staff, they 
often are passionate about what they do and they want mm-hmm. to make sure that they have really robust programs for their residents. And we, we work really closely with a lot of rec therapists and all of our programs are developed based on their feedback and their input. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times people will request programs that they're getting um, requested from their residents. And we're constantly kind of implementing new tools and, and resources to make the process as smooth as possible for them because their time is just so valuable and mm-hmm. we want to make sure that they feel supported in what they do. A hundred percent. And with that, there's a couple other points that I just realized that are, that are really interesting, I think, because most of the time you work with the rec therapists and the activity professionals themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing whenever you're talking to a community about kind of uh, implementing some of Artful Enrichment's programs, you have to end up talking to operations, right? You have to talk to the people ultimately write budget. Yeah. How do you explain to them the value of it? Because a lot of the time they, they don't work day to day with residents. They don't see kind of the impacts that more creative programming can provide. So like, how, how do you get them to see that vision? I think it's tricky. Sometimes the operation side of things and the on the ground programming staff, there's there can be some kind of disconnect mm-hmm. um, in terms of implementing new programs, what is actually going to work and what is more so kind of idyllic and it would be great if it works but realistically it's it's really difficult to implement for the programming team mm-hmm. um, I think for us when we speak with the directors and managers as well as we we like to loop in the programming staff right from the get-go um, mm-hmm. at, on the first conversation and make sure that we get their buy-in as well because they understand the residents they understand the community the best um, mm-hmm. a lot of these people have, really strong relationships with residents. So they they know if these programs are, are gonna work or not in their community. And for us, we wanna make sure that these programs are not just going in there and not being used. The whole idea is that we are providing these resources so that they can really enrich these communities and transform the creative culture of the community, not just sit there and, and people just use up their budget and never see um, the impact of these programs. So I think including the programming team from the get-go with the operations side of things in that conversation to make sure that it's the right fit is is important for any program. And I think you brought up a really good point there about making sure that the programs are actually being implemented because it, your, your goal ultimately isn't to, isn't to sell them programming, right? it's to get them to do the programming and to see the effects of it. Right. So on that side, like what strategies are you using to kind of, cause, cause it it must be difficult even for a team that's super, that's super eager to get started to slowly implement these things. Right. So how, how do you work with communities to get them to build more and more kind of artful content in? So we really talk about, um, we have a facilitator resource section on our members portal. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talk a lot about how to take the art experience beyond a one hour program. So Mm -hmm. instead of it just being about, let's engage these 10 residents in this one hour program, and then that's it. We talk about how do we take that beyond? And there's lots of ways to do that. So some of the communities that we work with, Um, they will hang and display artwork around the community that was created Mm -hmm. by residents in an artful program. 
they will, uh, someone sent us a photo the other day, they made tote bags with some of the artworks they made from the program. And they're giving those out to prospective residents. So it, it can become a marketing tool for them that way. We often encourage people to have um, high school students come in or people of, of different generations to come in and, and participate in the programs mm-hmm. or family members. And I think just kind of finding ways to expand upon the program has been a kind of a key component for the success of a program. But it, it really does range. Like every community is completely different. Some of the communities will use the program a couple times a month. Some of them will use it a couple times a week. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that we've kind of adapted, especially over these last couple of years, is by expanding our program offerings. So if mm-hmm. if one community has a, a group of residents that are really independent and maybe they prefer kind of hanging out in their suite or their apartment, we have printable art activities that can be given out to residents to pursue independently. Because I think it's important that some people are, they prefer it to be a intimate experience rather than a shared group experience. Mm-hmm. So having lots of different options is is the key. 100%. And I think art in that way is really, it's really cool how many different ways it can engage somebody because there's creating it and then there's a social aspect to it, but there's also kind of a self-learning way where I think you get to know yourself better by being creative and like kind of pouring your soul into what you're doing. And then there's that sharing part where whether it's you putting it up in your room and you seeing and you being proud of your own work or showcasing it in the whole community and helping and sharing that with other people. I think that could be that could be really, really powerful for communities. Right. Yeah. And it's it's it instills pride in the creator as well. Like if you and you can say this about anybody, it doesn't matter how old you are. Mm -hmm. Um, if you hang an artwork up in a lobby and your family member or a friend or a peer comes by and, and admires it, it, that feels really good. And those mm-hmm. good feelings last. Um, they last beyond that art experience. They they kind of transform into other areas of your life. And, and a lot of the times it can lead to improved confidence. It can lead to further engagement in other programs. There's so many ancillary benefits to creating. And I think something that you mentioned too, this idea of learning about ourselves through Mm -hmm. art is such an important part of it Mm -hmm. because art is a great tool for communicating ideas and thoughts and emotions. And especially for people maybe who be, who who might be facing um, uh, memory loss or cognitive Mm -hmm. impairment. It can be a communication tool for people who have maybe lost some of their verbal skills um, or are just kind of navigating a different um, a different experience. It can almost be like journaling in a way, I feel, where it's not kind of a literal description of what's happening, but it kind of captures how you feel emotionally. And I think that's just as important, if not more important sometimes. That's really, really interesting now that you think about it. Yeah, and it's it's a time for self-reflection. I find, mm-hmm. um, I know people talk a lot about flow state and art definitely has the ability to 
get someone into flow state where you're just, you're so present and mm-hmm. you're not actively thinking about what you're doing. You're just doing, and that mm-hmm. can be such a powerful um, experience. And you can truly learn something about yourself in those moments. With all this being said, I think, again, it goes back to kind of taking that first step as a as a community, right? Because I think one of the hardest parts of implementing any kind of new program or anything in a community is that initial shock of, oh, my God, this is going to be difficult. This is going to take time. Maybe it's easier and less stressful if I just do what I have, I've always been doing, right? So what would you recommend as like a first step for people who who maybe want to test the waters of a creative type of event for their residents, but maybe aren't ready to step into like, okay, let's implement this throughout. Yeah, I think, um, well, there's a couple different ways that I know personally through uh, Artful Enrichment, you can pilot the programs for free, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really good test because as I mentioned, we wanna make sure that these programs are going to be used and they're going to benefit the community. They're not just sitting there. So mm-hmm. piloting, piloting the programs, no matter what it is, I think is a really great idea. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, it does take time to grow a program. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes time to implement it into the calendar and it takes time to engage people and, and build the momentum of a program. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen even in a month. It takes usually a couple months to to get people down to the program, and um, and as soon as people get there and they kind of remove that intimidation barrier, then your program's really going to pick up speed and and uh, gain momentum from that, that point on. Yeah, I really like that point about kind of lowering your expectations for it because I think what happens a lot is that kind of the rec team. They have this idea they want to implement, let's just say it's art programs, and then they put it in there, they they put it on the calendar, but then obviously not everybody knows about it initially because kind of people know kind of their own schedules. It's a new program, so people are maybe a little bit nervous of joining, and then the first week you run it, you have maybe two people when you expected, when you planned it out for like 15, right? So, and then it's like, oh, should we even run this anymore? But it's sticking through that, right? Mm. And I think... I think um, what a lot of rec teams will see is it's the same people coming down to every kind Mm -hmm. of program. So a way to kind of break that cycle would be to ask people to invite um, a friend down or somebody, one of their table mates to come down and join them. And what I've always done when I've run programs and what I've kind of suggested that other people do if they, if they're trying to grow a program Mm -hmm. is, Invite people down and just invite them to come sit, listen to music, watch. You can put out the supplies in front of them or Mm -hmm. they can just kind of socialize and enjoy. You know what? It doesn't have to be a hard, you go right into it and and you have to create something. And I think in easing someone into it and showing them that it's very Mm -hmm. accessible is... Uh, it's it's been a successful way to get more people down to a program. Because I think again, like that's that that's half of the challenge right there, right? Yeah. Like how like a good part of it is actually engaging the program. Well, I think it comes down to three parts. And I think we touched on all three of them, right? It's 
improving the programs over time, taking that feedback. It's actually running engaging programs, but it's also convincing people just to just to come and then yeah. not be intimidated and to be comfortable and then to be themselves there, right? Yeah, I had a, a gentleman that would come to program and he would just sit and watch and mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. And it was really nice to have somebody there who was, that he did kind of take the pressure off some of the artists who were working away because he just chatted and we listened to music. And then slowly over the months, he picked up a paintbrush or a pencil and, and started participating in the programs. And then he was, he was like the number one um, participant there every time. So having that gradual introduction into something, I think, I think most people appreciate that rather than just getting pushed right into something. You don't want to force it, right? Yeah, I really love that story, by the way, because that just I think that's like the best example I've heard in a while of how how nonlinear adoption can be. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, I feel like we would turn that person away, be like, oh, if you don't want to participate, then like, oh, you can't sit here. Right. Yeah. And I I think um, a trap that a lot of people fall into is, oh, I've never done anything like that in my life. Um, That's not me. I'm not creative. And they just kind of box themselves in. And especially mm-hmm. uh, for people who are older, who it's been a longer period where they haven't done something, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a bit more hesitant to try something new. Um, maybe not. But for those that are hesitant, I think that soft introduction is really important to show them look what you can do. Try mm-hmm. it. You may like it. You may not. But what is the harm in trying something new? Exactly. And it takes the pressure off, right? Because in addition, I think with the actual uh, stressfulness of maybe trying something you've never done before, it might also be participating with the social circle you've never done yeah. anything with, right? Yeah. So I, I like how uh, the gentleman you you described, like that. that's a really good example, I think, of how like you can integrate him into that new social circle first, and then gradually, as he becomes comfortable there, he realizes, oh, I can really, like, I really love art, right? And it's easier to make that introduction once he's already comfortable with everybody in the program. Definitely. Having some kind of connection to the people that you're sitting beside is is a great way to infuse your program and, and, and build it. Um, I, I think that's why I think introducing consistency in your programming is important as well. So mm-hmm. let's say your program's every Tuesday and that's a great way t- for people to say, oh, I'm going to see this person every Tuesday. I know what we're going to do. And, and it creates this camaraderie between the people who are creating alongside each other. And it, it can build some really strong connections and unlikely relationships with people in the community as well. On that note, I think we're starting to run out of time. And I think that was a really lovely place to end off on. That was a great note to kind of cap things off. Before we head out, though, if anybody listening is interested in Artful Enrichment, which they should be, where can they find you? And what are like the first steps to kind of get in contact and get this started? So they can always reach out to me. My, I, I don't know if you'll link my email or... I'll link it or at least link your website where they can probably yeah, go or, to your email. Yeah, or they can go to our website, artfulenrichment.com. And Artful is with two L's just to 
throw a little <laughs> spanner in the works. Um, and they can go to the contact page and reach out to us that way. We're also going to be adding to our website very shortly an option so people can actually purchase a membership right from the website, which will be a great option as well. 100% that'll make it much, much easier for people. Yeah. No more contacting forms, back and forth Exactly, calls. exactly. It's beautiful how much technology can help in that way. I know, it's a lifesaver. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for, for joining us on the show today. And hopefully we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Terry. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks. Take care.